We're preaching Psalm 11. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Verse number 1 says, In the Lord put I my trust. We're going to trust in the Lord. David says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to me, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright heart. If the righteous be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold the eyelids, try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked... And him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares and fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. The annals of history is full of bad advice and bad decisions people make on bad advice. I read in the year 250 B.C., um, the first emperor to unite or unify China decided he was going to live forever. And he was going to spend his life looking for the elixir of eternal life. So he talked with his counselors and said, well, we don't have the elixir of eternal life, but we do have a potion that we've devised that will extend your life long enough until we find it. So they start giving him this a potion that would extend his life, and that potion was uh, mercury. So he started drinking mercury because his counselors told him that would give him long life. Well, it drove him crazy and it made him mad and eventually killed him. So in his um, pursuit of eternal life through the magical elixir that he was looking for, his counselors told him the next best thing was to drink his poison, and it eventually it killed him, of course. The United States in the 1940s put sanctions on Japan, uh, economic sanctions. And until they did what the United States wanted them to do, they were going to hold those sanctions, and they were losing a lot of money. So the counselors of the Japanese uh, government got together and said, that what we need to do to get out from underneath these sanctions is we need to, to go to war with the United States, a quick war, a decisive war, and then they'll back off of us. So they decided the best thing to do would be to bomb Pearl Harbor. And we all know that that was a pretty big mistake for the Japanese to bomb Pearl Harbor. It didn't turn out exactly the way they wanted to. One more big mistake by bad advice. In the 1960s, um, a uh, manager of this little band went to Decca Records and they said, I got a band I think you might want to sign. They're pretty good. Um, they're, they're getting better all the time. You might want to sign this band. And that uh, record executive said, guitar groups are on the way out. Nobody's going to listen to that guitar music anymore. And so he went back and told his band, well, they didn't sign you. That band was the Beatles. <laughs> so they passed on who knows how many hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars by uh, passing on that rock band. So history is full of bad advice and bad counsel. Um, you think about all the different, different things. You know, somebody thought it was a good idea to fill blimps with hydrogen. Let's fill big balloons with uh, 
explosive gas and then fly it around. Well, they thought it was a good idea until the Hindenburg, and, and we know what happened there, and it exploded. All kinds of bad advice, bad counsel. Well, that's what we have here in Psalm number 11. This is a psalm that David wrote when he was under attack. Some people say it was whenever he was being attacked by Saul or later on in his life. I don't think it really matters what time it was, but the fact is that David was under attack. But he has two problems. Now, the first problem was the wicked who were persecuting him. There were wicked people who were attacking him, trying to kill him, trying to overthrow uh, the, the, the government, whether it be Saul trying to kill him because God had anointed him to be the king, or whether it be people later on in life that were trying to undermine David's own government. Somebody somewhere was persecuting the people of God. But the second problem here starts in the end of verse number one through verse number three. His friends are giving him bad advice. So I think that you could put a quotation mark starting with flee as a bird all the way to the end of verse number three. I, I believe that's how this is, that, that, that David is recalling the advice that he got. So he's got an attack on two fronts. He's got the obvious evil of the people doing bad things, and he's got the subtle temptation of how to respond. Bad advice, bad counsel, bad um, guidance from um, maybe even people who love the Lord. And so what David has done is re- in retelling this says, in the Lord I put my trust. So first of all, he gives the theme. That's the theme of the song. In the Lord I put my trust. And then he says, how is it you say to my soul? And then he quotes what the people were saying to him. He said, why is it that you're telling me all this bad thing, all this bad advice? And then in verse number four through verse number seven, he, said, he kind of tells us why he's putting his trust in the Lord. And why he's going to forsake the counsel that he's been given. Now that's a serious matter to forsake counsel. Because good counsel is good. The Proverbs are full of... of not advice, but um, telling us that we ought to follow counsel. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 11, verse number 14. uh, Here's what it says. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, the Proverbs tell us that people who don't take anybody else's advice, who don't go and see what other people have thought, they're going to fall. And the more input that you might get, there is safety. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Uh, maybe where you had to make a decision and you, and you get a, a group of people together and somebody says, brings up a point that you hadn't thought about. That, that you decide you're going to go one direction and then somebody else says, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then somebody stands up and says, no, wait a second. Let's not forget about this point. You, know, you might be planning to build something. And somebody says, well, let's do it this way. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. No, wait a second. We can't forget about this. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that aspect. So that's what that proverb is talking about. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. 
um, that that you know we we're just not able to to know all things and to to always come to the best conclusion. So it's don't be proud. Ask for for help. Proverbs nineteen verse number twenty. Here's another example. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Listen to what people have. Listen to advice. You know, I don't believe that I'm infallible and and you know I I hear advice, I ask for advice, I, I think about those things. That doesn't mean you blindly follow what someone says. You know, you can go and say, Hey, I've got this problem, what do you think? And they, they pray with you and talk with you and they well, this is my opinion. This is what I would do in that situation. You say, okay, well, thank you. Then you, what do you do? Well, you go and you pray and you find, you think if that counsel is good counsel or bad. You discern. But hear counsel and receive instruction. That's a good thing that the Lord gives us in his, in his churches that we may come together and, and with, because we all have the Spirit of God, don't we? We are all indwelt with the Holy Spirit here in this, in, in, in this church. And, and the Spirit... Um, helps us that we may help one another. And so it's good to, to come together and, and to, to talk with one another. In I don't know how many times in since I've been pastoring churches have I seen people make life altering choices like where they're going to buy a house or, or something like that. And then not tell the church until they had already already made the decision to do so. So someone would uh, go and and take a job and buy a house, and then show up to church and say, um, "Yeah, I'm moving next week." And they didn't have the church to pray with them. They didn't have the church to. They didn't ask anybody for advice. Well, what had happened? They moved to a place that didn't have a church, and they bought a house where they're going to be three hours away. From, from a church, and then um, the, what ends up happening is they just, well, you can guess what happens, but but they didn't ask for counsel. And so, well, I don't want to know what anybody else says. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, there's wisdom in counsel. But we have to be discerning. Look in Proverbs 12 and verse 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth the, unto counsel is wise. So, you say, well, that's talking about listening to the counsel. Well, it depends, because what if you ask the counsel of the fool? The fool is right in his own eyes. The fool doesn't ask for any counsel. He doesn't receive any counsel, but oftentimes the fool is ready to give it. So we have to be discerning on, on what we receive, because I'm not infallible. You're not infallible. Proverbs fourteen fifteen: the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well into his goeth. So the wise thing is, is to ask for counsel, ask for advice. If you're not sure, if you're in a, in a tight spot, ask for advice. But don't believe every word, because the, the simple believe every word. But the prudent man looketh well to his going. So the, the abundance of the biblical wisdom on this is that it's better to ask and get a multitude of, of opinions if you're not sure about something. If, if you don't know what you ought to do. If there is no clear-cut Bible verse that thou shalt um, do this or that. Right? 
Thou shalt buy a car or not buy a car. And you just you can't decide what to do. You just don't know what to do. And you go back and forth and say, well, on the one hand, I'd like to do this, but on the other hand, I don't like to do this. And then, you know, you might talk to family members and get their advice and talk to your spouse and talk to uh, other people in the church and just gather advice and, and gather what they say. What do you think the Bible says? What do you think uh, the scriptures say on this? And, and then what you have to do is look at your going because ultimately the decision lies with you, doesn't it? So you, you have to say, well, that's godly advice. I think I'm going to take it. We say, I, might, I was going to go this path, but everyone I talk to tells me I'm making a mistake. Well, that might be warning signs, right? That, that maybe everyone you've talked to is telling you the right thing. And you have to, to, to be wary of that. But, as in our song, it's also very possible that everybody would be giving you the wrong advice that everybody would be giving you wrong counsel. And that's what happens with David, because David is getting counsel. David's under attack, and he gets counsel, but what David does is compares it with the Word of God. David starts with this foundation, this foundational truth, that in the Lord put I my trust. David does not put trust in himself, or his strength, or popular opinion, or in his friends, but he puts faith in the Lord. That's where he starts, and that's where he's going to to do all of his of his work is from the Lord. He's going to start from that position. I've had in my life lots of advice, and in. I kind of think that maybe this was later in David's life, but but maybe not. But I, I know I know that uh, earlier in my life, there I would take advice, and sometimes I just take it and run with it, and say, "Well, this person knows what he's talking about. I'm going to believe." And and I took bad advice. I took bad counsel because I was just taking the word of a man without comparing it to the word of God. I was taking what somebody told me and I said, yeah, that seems right. But I wasn't being a noble Berean. You think about what the noble Bereans did. Paul came and preached to them and they said, that sounds right. Let's make sure it's right. Let's go to the word of God and compare what Paul was saying to what God said. And then we'll decide if that's right. The Thessalonians heard Paul preach and said, that sounds good. And they just went along with it. Fortunately for them, it was the Apostle Paul, not some false teacher that they heard. But the Bereans said, that sounds good. Let's, let's, let's verify. Well, that's what David has done with his counsel. He said, well, that sounds wise. But let's verify. But then he says, your counsel is not trusting in the Lord. It's not putting faith in the Lord. It's, it's doubting the Lord. And I can't go along with that. So everybody was telling Paul or David what to do. But they were telling him, to do the wrong thing because they weren't trusting in the Lord. And David has to stand alone against all the counsel, against all the advice. He says, no, I have to trust God. I have to trust the Lord. Our trust is in Christ, not in the flesh. Um, Going back to the Apostle Paul in the book of uh, Philippians here. um, 
Notice what Paul says about confidence. Philippians 3, verse 3 says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Paul says, I don't trust in the flesh. I don't trust in what I'm able to do. I, I have more reasons to trust in my strength, in my abilities, in my keeping the law, in my following the ordinances of the Old Testament than any other man. The Jewish rabbis would have told Paul, said, Paul, you, you have spent your life in the synagogue. You've spent your life obeying the law and keeping the law and following after these things. Paul, you are on the fast track to, to greatness in the, the era of the Pharisees. Don't throw all that away, Paul. All your education, all your family history, all your lineage, everything your mom and dad did for you. Paul was well-educated. Paul's mom and dad made sure that he grew up in the right schools and learned the right things. Paul's parents, maybe even his grandparents, from a very early age were very concerned that he would grow up in the right way, even before he was aware of what was going on. They had him circumcised, they had him obeying all the laws and doing all the things to where he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. They made sure he knew how to speak Hebrew and write Hebrew and read Hebrew and not be one of the Hellenistic Jews. And so he knew Greek and he knew Hebrew, probably knew Latin. He, he, he was well-educated, well-versed. And Paul said, I put no confidence in all that stuff. Despite what his family told him and what uh, the, his fellow Jews told him, no. Because you are having me trust myself and not in the Messiah. You and I don't trust in our flesh. We trust Christ in times of trouble. We trust Christ for our salvation. We trust Christ when navigating in this world. We trust Christ when the worldly way seems better or right. Anymore, it's hard to get good counsel from, from, from the world. Whenever um, I was having that uh, appendagitis attack. They first thought it was uh, appendicitis, and they came in there and they told me I was going to have to get prepped for surgery while they did one more test and, and all that kind of stuff. And the doctor started talking to me. I think I told you guys this. started talking to me about the appendix and started talking to me, well, this is an evolutionary hangover, and, and um, humans have evolved, and this is an organ that we don't use anymore. used to need it back in the old days, but because of evolution, we don't need it anymore. In the back of my mind, I was saying, I want another doctor because this man, regardless of if, if his diagnosis is right or not, his foundation is you've got something that you were born with in your body, an organ, that is a hangover from evolutionary days, and you just don't need it. And, and I'm thinking, well, first of all, you, you're starting out on the wrong premise. You're starting out on an evolutionary premise uh, which, which I believe is foundationally wrong. So his whole premise of an unnecessary organ was the fact that we have evolved past that. But if that's not true, then not that whole foundation that he has built is false. Right? So, so even in that regard, 
We can get bad counsel because they have a bad way of looking at the world. Trust Christ when the worldly way seems better. Trust Christ and his way is best. Trust Christ when you are alone. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, verse 14, Paul knew a thing or two about trusting Christ whenever you're all alone. There's a couple of times in you find where people told Paul what they thought he ought to do, what would be best. And Paul said, no, I'm, I'm doing what I believe the Lord would have me to do, not what you think is best. It might be best for my flesh, but not best for the work of God. And so Paul was very bold to do what he believed right. That once his conscience was bound by the word of God, he just wouldn't budge. But his conscience was bound by God's word. So in 2 Timothy 4, verse 14, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching that might be fully known and all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every, every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was hurt by Alexander. Alexander is a bad guy. Just a, just a bad guy. And he's a bad guy who did bad things and just got away with it. And the worst part, and verse 16 just breaks my heart every time I read it. The worst part was while all this was going on, no man stood with him. And all men forsook him. Then Paul says, well, I pray God wouldn't lay it on their charge. Everybody abandoned me. When Paul needed help and support and strength and, and, and he needed reinforcements to come and help, he turns around and everybody's gone. Everyone forsook him. So maybe Paul would think, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, did, did Paul turn around and look and say, Am, I'm the only one? I'm the only one that's standing against everyone has forsaken me, and I need to keep the course? No. Paul said, I know, I'm trusting in the Lord. I know what is right. I know what is true. And yes, this is going to hurt me, and yes, I'm out there all my, on my own, but I will not succumb to this wickedness. I will not go along even being thrown to the mouth of the lion. Why? Because he said, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom. Paul says, I know what God has called me to do, and that is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles in verse 17. And he says, so I'm gonna, my life is going to be directed towards preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Alexander the coppersmith can do what Alexander does, but God has called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and I'm going to follow the Lord. And everybody else can forsake me. And they can go and run and flee to the mountains and say that the wicked Alexander the coppersmith 
has bent his bow and, and privily shoots the upright in the heart. And Alexander is, is wreaking havoc and run for the hills. But Paul said, no, my Lord shall deliver me. I'm not going to run. I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to do what Christ has called me to do because he will deliver me. He will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. You and I can know that Christ will not let us down. Christ will not forsake us. And the wicked may attack us and accuse us. And the wicked may try to destroy us. And, and we might be um, surrounded and attacked on every side. But we put our trust in the Lord. I will trust what God says. And I will, I will rest in what God says. And I will be in the fortress of my heavenly father. I will be protected from the mouth of the lion by my heavenly king. He will deliver me because he has promised to do so. And so he, he puts his trust in the Lord. He puts his trust in what God has called him uh, to do. Well, now, as we move on here, let's think. That's the thesis. So everything that, that David has done is because he puts his trust in the Lord. So let's, let's quickly look at this bad counsel. David says, I put my trust in the Lord, so how are you going to tell me to flee as a bird to the mountain? So that's the first bad counsel, to run away. Sometimes it's wise to leave. Now, when you deal with wisdom issues, there's always going to be the, on the one hand, but on the other hand. It's always going to be like that with wisdom issues. It was like that with counsel. On the one hand, it's good to listen to wise counsel. On the other hand, you might not get wise counsel, so you have to be discerning. Wisdom issues always have that. On the one hand, but also on the other. So anytime we come to a situation that's not explicitly laid out in the scriptures, we have to, we have to deal with this as a, a wisdom issue. Now, Alexander the coppersmith was doing evil. The Bible clearly laid out his evil, and there was a black and white choice. Do evil or do good. There, there's no other way. Paul chose to do good, and, and he says black and white. There, there was no other choice. But sometimes you might have a situation such as this where it's on the one hand but also on the other. Because they said flee to the mountain, run away. Well, sometimes you don't cast your pearls before the swine. Jesus said, told the disciples if they went into a city and the city didn't receive them to shake the dust off their feet, and leave the city. He didn't tell them to remain there and keep casting their pearls before the swine. He said, move on. Paul did the same thing in Acts 13, verses 50 through 53. He goes into the city. They wouldn't receive it. He shakes his dust off their feet. He said, well, you don't want Christ? I'll go on. They persecuted him, and he left. That was the wise thing to do at that time. But sometimes you have to stand your ground. Sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm, I'm here for the fight, and I'll die on this hill. Their counsel was telling David to run, but you notice why. 
When David says why he's not going to, we kind of understand why they were telling him to run away and in their other arguments. This council was telling David to run because the truth just wasn't worth it anymore. It just, it just wasn't worth it. The wicked bend their bow, they're too strong. If the foundation is destroyed, nothing we can do anyway. It's pointless. Give up. That, that is why they said telling him to flee as a bird. Not because it was a wise thing to do, not because he's, he's, um, his, his service would be better used for the Lord elsewhere. It was like, why try? Why bother? Just give up. What's the point? You believe the Bible? Well, that can't stand up against science. That won't hold up against society. We need something other than the scriptures if we're going to get people to to come and believe. I mean, all you do is pray and sing and preach. Well, you're not going to get anybody to come out there like that. You mean you preach for more than 15 minutes? Well, we live in an age of, of TikTok and social media and people can't sit and listen for more than 30 seconds. You, you're not going to teach anybody or win anybody like that. It's pointless. It's pointless to go out there on, on, a, on a Sunday. It's pointless to go out there on a Wednesday. It's, it, what's the point? Just give up. The Lord has saved you. What's the point in trying anymore? Just go, hide yourself from this wicked world and wait on the Lord. Hunker down and, and look for Jesus to come. They counseled him to leave the fight because they said the fight was over with and it wasn't worth fighting anymore. There was no faith and trust that it was worth it. There was no faith that the fight could be won. There is a temptation for us to give up our walk with Christ and say, what's the point? It's a very worldly mindset. It's a view that wants to see results right now and benefits right now, and if we don't see it right now, then what's the point? Let's just pack it up. But David said, I put, in the Lord I put I my trust. In the Lord I put up my trust. So yes, do we live in a society that doesn't have much of an attention span? Yes. Do we live in a society that would rather be doing a million other things than hear the word of God? Yes. But did God make a mistake when he gave us his word? Did God make a mistake when he said preach the word? Did God make a mistake when he said that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation? Did God make a mistake where he says that we are sanctified and we grow together through the preaching of the word of God and that through the assembling of ourselves together we can encourage one another and strengthen one another and help us to persevere all the way to the end? No, God did not make that mistake. The, the whole of the, the worldly data will tell us what's the point. But God says, this is the way I want you to do it, and this is how I'll bless you. So in the Lord, I will put my trust. In the Lord, I'll put my trust. I read an article that um, the way of the future is through uh, online media, and that churches are even preparing um, some to, to make it to where all church interaction be online. That's worldly wisdom. 
What's the wisdom of God? In the Lord, I'll put my trust. It's bad counsel. Well, bad counsel number two here was that the wicked were just too strong. They bend their bow, they make it ready their arrow, they privily shoot at the upright in heart. There's no way that we can overcome uh, wickedness. Well, that's true if the fight was in our hands, but it's not. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, notice um, maybe Paul was getting some, some counsel along those same lines. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 2, he said, But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Through God, the, strong, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself to the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, Paul didn't have a dynamic speaking ability. He didn't have money. He didn't have the support of the world and the backing of the world to, to lift him up. The Gentiles were against him. The Jews were against him. In this letter, Christians were against him. The devil was against him. So how is Paul going to come in confidence with all these odds against him and, and turn the hearts and the minds of those who are opposing the truth we said, well, my weapons are not carnal. You want to fight? Well, that's fine. But my weapons are not of this world. My weapons are not you know, arrows and bows and swords. But mine are spiritual weapons, mighty through God, that can bring down the high walls of wicked thoughts in the high towers of bad doctrine, and, and these weapons of war can, can defeat all this vain philosophy and this false doctrine. So Paul came in trusting in the Lord because his weapons, though through the world weren't that spectacular, were powerful by God. They were mighty to pull down strongholds. Let's trust the Lord in dealing with lost people. Let's trust the Lord when, when witnessing. Let's trust the Lord whenever some, someone brings some foolishness to bear and we have to deal with it. Let's trust the Lord that his word is powerful and his ways are, are right. And that God's word can break down those high walls. There's a lot of bad philosophy, a lot of bad teaching, a lot of bad doctrine um, in the world right now in society with, with famous people and, and very intelligent people all promoting these things and all oh, you, you rubes still believe that old Bible those days are long gone those days are past that's what um, the Buzz Lightyear actor said with this new movie that people like us we're dinosaurs we want to die out and, and go away believe that old Bible that old foolishness in the Lord put I my trust. And this truth 
will not be destroyed. It will not be brought down. But it's powerful to tear down the strongholds um, of the wicked teaching in this world. Bow counsel number three, where the, the foundations were supreme. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, I think this is used in the... You know, normally, people, we think of it, well, if the foundations of truth are destroyed, you know, there's no hope. But I think that this is what they were telling David to give, tell him to give up. So, yes, if the foundations of your family are destroyed, then your family's going to crumble down. If the foundation of your house is destroyed, then the house is going to fall down. That, that is true. But I think that this is what the, they were using that truth, but using it wrongly here. David, the foundation of government has been destroyed. The foundation of social order is, is gone. The foundation of society is turned against us. And if it was talking about Saul, Saul is against us. The foundations have been destroyed. What do you, what, there's nothing to do. We can't do anything. Or if it's later on, when it, maybe when Absalom is coming and attacking him, and, and the foundations are destroyed. What are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. These are indeed strong foundations, but they are not eternal foundations. My salvation is not built upon the foundation of the Constitution or built upon the foundation of society, but my uh, foundation is built upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is not built upon the sand, um, but I have built my house upon the rock. And the waves and the winds can beat and blow, but that house is going to stand because the foundations cannot be destroyed. The whole premise of this argument is that the foundation could be destroyed. But So yes, if your hope is built upon society, if your hope is built on a good government, if your hope is built on a good economy, then once that's destroyed, well, so will your hope. I've been paying attention for politics for about 30 years now, and every election I hear the same thing. If so-and-so gets elected, there's no hope for God's people. Well, that's never true, first of all, because our foundation is not on who's in Washington, but our foundation is on Christ. Now, the government might be in bad shape, and the country might be in bad shape, but my foundation cannot be destroyed. So it's, it's kind of a false premise to say, well, if the foundation is destroyed, what can we do? Well, that's true. If the foundation is destroyed, all hope is lost. That's why you got to have the right foundation. That's why you have to put your trust in Christ. So David hears that and says, now, wait a second. You want me to run because there's no hope? You want me to run and hide and quit because the wicked are strong? You want me to run because the foundation is destroyed? No, I put my trust in the Lord. The foundation is not destroyed because God is sovereign. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. I don't worry how strong the wicked are because God is sovereign. He's on his throne. So that's the first reason why he puts his trust in the Lord. The Lord is sovereign. You want me to run and hide because the wicked have, have overtaken everything? His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The second reason is God knows what happens. It sees all things. He knows what is done in secret. He knows what is done in the open. He knows what the wicked is doing. Paul says, I'm not going to run and hide because the Lord knows what's happening. He sees what's happening. The third reason is, I'm not going to 
I'm going to trust in the Lord because the Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence is so hateth. Yes, I'm going through hard times, but God is not against his people, but he's for his people. You want me to flee because of hard times because you say the Lord is against me? Well, no, the Lord is not with me. He tries his people. But he does not crush us. Our trials are not God's anger against us, but his love for our good. So David said, yes, I'm being tried. My faith is being put to the test. But count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James 1, 2 through 4 says. So David says, Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's bad. Yes, it looks like everything goes wrong, but the Lord puts the righteous to the test. But he doesn't hate us. He's not against us. He's against those wicked. And I would rather go through the trial of the Lord with the Lord on my side than to have power now and have the Lord hate me. The third, uh, fourth thing is that the Lord is a just judge of the wicked. On the wicked he shall rain snares and fire and brimstone and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. <clears throat> yes, the wicked are powerful, but they're going to get what's coming to them. <coughs> and lastly, I'm going to trust the Lord for the Lord, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness and his countenance behold the upright. The Lord is against those who are evil, but he loves righteousness. He loves what is right and true and pure and perfect and holy. He said, but that's not me. I'm not. I've sinned. Well, let me close with what Paul said the last part of Philippians. We saw that he put no confidence in the flesh, but in verse number 8 of Philippians 3, he says, but yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The Lord is a judge to the wicked. He's a judge to those who are under the law and have broken the law and are guilty of the law. And the Lord loves righteousness. Now, if you're going to be honest with yourself this morning, you have broken the law and you would stand in the the realm of the, the, the wicked. But the righteous Lord loves righteousness. Do you put your faith and trust in the Lord? That's what Paul did. I put my trust in the Lord. Oh, but you've committed so many sins. You've broken God's laws. You, have, you don't do enough and you can't be holy enough. And Paul said, yeah, and I can't all that stuff as, as manure. It's worthless to me because the Lord is righteous and the Lord loves righteousness. And the Lord is righteous. And yes, all odds are against me and all obstacles in my way. But the Bible tells me that if I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I receive his righteousness. And that the Lord who loves righteousness gives me his righteousness. And I am received in Christ with that righteousness. And by faith, I'm united to Jesus, justified, having that righteousness for myself. If the foundations of self-righteousness are destroyed, what are you going to do? We're going to face the judgment and wrath of God. That's why you don't build your house on that foundation. Don't build your house on a foundation that can be destroyed. 
Don't build your life and trust your soul in a foundation built upon the sand. Their whole argument was built on the wrong premise that the fact, they said, well, if the foundation is destroyed, what can we do? Well, that's right. If your foundation is on the sand, build upon the rock. Build upon the rock and put your trust in the Lord and say your argument is faulty because you started from the wrong place. You started from yourself and, and what look, and you're not walking by faith. David said, put your argument where it belongs, trusting in the Lord. Trusting in his righteousness and following after him, then you'll be safe. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Listen to wise counsel and trust that God will be with you and keep you. We'll pray this message.